0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Afterword Podcast, I'm Dave Tish. You know, when I was a kid, one of the things I loved the most about Christmas time is I got to see my grandma and grandpa. They would come down uh, and drive about three hours, they lived about three hours to the north of us. I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. As some of you know, it's a Ohio, you know, it's a great place to be from, and I moved out to California in uh, for a job, and uh, that's where the staggering similarities between myself and LeBron James tend to end. Anyway, uh, my favorite thing about Christmas was I got to see my grandma and grandpa. They were my two favorite people in the whole world. And every I, I remember around Christmas time, every single time my grandma and grandpa came uh, to visit, my grandfather would always have two things. First, he would have orange Tic Tacs, which to this day remind me of him. And uh, I know some people are like, they taste like baby aspirin. I don't care. They remind me of my childhood. So I'm very nostalgic. And the second thing my grandfather always had, were uh those butterscotch candies you know what I'm talking about they they were like wrapped in incredibly loud cellophane that was like yellow and they were like uh kind of these butterscotch candies that were like super hard candies you know what I'm talking about Well my grandfather would give them to me and I remember the first time he gave me one I, I like kind of chomped on it like you know and he's like what are you doing don't you don't you don't bite them you don't chew them. You have to like let them dissolve you gotta suck on them you gotta you know let it let the taste linger come on just take your time with this you know let it slowly dissolve on your tongue so you can savor all the flavors right well i feel like that's what the gospel of matthew is kind of like we're supposed to really think about the stories that we're given and sometimes over christmas because we've heard the story so frequently or so often they become a little too familiar and we don't actually take time to sit we we start chewing the butterscotch if you know what i mean. And so what we're going to do is we're going to slow it down and really start thinking and we've been trying to meditate and reflect on this Christmas story which is so familiar to all of us and really glean the lessons out of it because at the end as as Tim Mackey and the Bible Project say this is Jewish meditation literature, right? We're supposed to meditate on this and and this is christian meditative literature this is the story of jesus we're supposed to meditate on it and think through it and really uh, ponder what are the lessons we're trying to, to get into and this week matthew gives us something to ponder he gives us a tale of two kings in essence he gives us king herod and he gives us the three wise men and uh, he gives us another king too one in a manger and uh, it's pretty exceptional and uh, so we're going to dive into that story this week. Steve Clifford and I preached this message. Steve was at Saratoga I was at South Hills. And uh, so we're going to dive into the story of the wise men, the magi, as they are called. And uh, we'll try to see what kind of things we can glean and try not to chew on the butterscotch. All right, here we go. totally good. Okay, cool. Well, welcome everybody. Uh, Steve Clifford here. Steve, there's only two weeks left of Advent. Can you believe it?
1: No, actually I cannot. It, the year is closing up uh, really quickly.
0: Man, uh, it's 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 speeding by. Even as we pause, and I, try, I feel like we've done a pretty good job of helping people slow down. I still feel like this season <laughs> is a freight train and I'm hooked to it. It's just, uh, it's tough.
1: Well, yeah, but Somehow you've got to uh, resist the urge to rush through it because yeah. this is a, this is just a, such a special uh, season. And each time it, it seems kind of unique because we didn't get to do it last year in person. Yeah, so it does. Feel it different. feels like you know it's yep. been. It's it, we're getting something back.
0: I, I I feel the exact same way. Okay, so this week we talked about the wise men and well we we were in Matthew two uh, and it's just mm-hmm. thirteen verses, but it's this wise men. Magi from the East versus Herod. Uh, but one of the things that struck me about this, and I, I wanted to, um, uh, th- I had, I'm had, i not saying I had a revelation. I'm not saying that. But in the, st- <laughs> but in the study, I, I was struck by it. Like, I, I remember a couple of weeks ago, and I don't even know what sermon series it was. We talked about, oh, it was the names of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. When we talked about the names of Jesus, one of the names we had was Messiah, right? And we talked about how that means anointed one, right? An anointed one, uh, in the Jewish tradition, there's two folks that were anointed by God, set apart, and those are the priests and the kings, right? And I was looking, mm-hmm. so so here's what was interesting to me, and I, I'm sure you made this connection, but I did not. So Herod was kind of known in the ancient world as a builder. I mean, that's just what he did. He built these giant, and I made a joke at, at, at the South Hills uh, campus, and I thought it was funnier than it was. I said he had an edifice complex. Um, I thought that was funny. Uh, I thought it was funny, but nobody else did. Anyway, so he built and built and built and, and that,
1: ha- that happens that happens a lot of times with us. <laughs> you you think it's funny and nobody else gets it. Nobody so. else
0: nobody else likes it. Oh well. It was funny. Uh and then so I was looking through some of his most um famed achievements. And of course he built Caesarea, which is like a port city. Uh you have the mm-hmm. second largest amphitheater in Caesarea. He's trying to say something to see and he names the port city Caesarea which would be yeah. like, I mean, that's major, a, major brown nose, super brown nose. He also built the biggest port on the Mediterranean uh, and it was not a natural port. He made it. And it, it's a, it's a, it was the largest port on the Mediterranean for almost a thousand years. It's incredible. That's interesting to me. That's his political suck up. And then also you and I talked about his serpentine nefariousness to hold power. I'm like, he killed family members. I mean, it was, it's, dark. Oh yeah, it's dark stuff. Yeah. But what struck me is two of the biggest building projects that he had, um, and I think what they're trying to say. The first is um, his palace at Masada. Um, and It was this, this giant fortress, and he made it, and it was this – I I looked up. It had 200 rooms. It was 43,000 square feet. He rebuilt the entire desert to divert the, the winter rains into giant quarries and cisterns that held 10 million gallons of water. Just to give you some comparison – Monterey Bay Aquarium has 2.5 million gallons in the entire thing. So it's just a a staggering Mm -hmm. amount of uh, water. The other thing I found is this, um, a bunch of bio students from the University of Wisconsin just went there last year and they went to the top of Masada and they did biological, I guess they can do soil samples and tell what kind of crops were grown like a thousand years ago, which is nuts. (laughs) And they found out that he had vineyards at the top of that, just and crops and agriculture they found Traces of animal feces, so he had basically a living farm on top of this thing, right? So it was self-supporting. It could support ten thousand troops, and this is incredible. It had heated bathroom floors, so in his bathroom he had these tiles and he had these clay pipes that they would heat air and then blow the air through. And uh, I thought that was pretty exceptional. And and I was like, man, this guy is something else. But what came across is um, one of the historians said that Herod said to his people because Herod was called the king of the Jews. And he said, your king, David, hid out in the caves in Masada, but I shall right. li- I shall live like a king.
1: Yeah. So that's... I'll, that's I'll, I'll live up here in a palace
0: when David was just hiding in caves. Right. And then, of course, he rebuilds Solomon's temple. And uh, it's it's about six times bigger than Solomon's temple was. And it struck me that he's trying to say something to the Jewish people. I'm the priest. I'm the king. You've heard of King David but now I'm the king right I'm really the king and you've heard of yeah. the temple but I'm the high priest and it struck me that that, that Matthew is trying or I mean in historically that he's trying Matthew's one of ma- Matthew's main points as you've uh, talked about so eloquently is that he's trying to show that Jesus is the Messiah and even in history it looks like he's trying to seize the title of the anointed one the Messiah and of course God's having none of it
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I mean Herod, There's two things about Herod that really are quite amazing to me. First, the first is he is the villain. He is the worst villain um, that almost you can have. I mean, there's just hardly anybody um, that you would kill, you know, male children uh, to try to hang on to power like that just indiscriminately is quite amazing, but that you would kill your own children without thought. So the first thing is that if you're looking for a villain, I mean, he is the, he's Darth Vader. He's, he is smog, the dragon. He is, (laughs) you know, he is the worst of, of the worst. Um, and the second thing is, is he's the, he's, I would say the most significant, um, Israeli king in a five, in probably a 400 year time period.
0: Yeah. Maybe more.
1: I mean, uh, he 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 forms up really strong allies with the romans they militarize him and give you know loan him army support he comes in and smashes and grabs yeah and uh, he he's yeah he's a bad dude right and, and you you see his character all through this story of the magi he yeah. lies like a skunk i yeah. mean you know he he just <laughs> i'm lies sorry and lies. he
0: lies like a skunk yeah i've never he, heard that he, expression do skunks lie yeah, every time they go to sleep. <laughs> That's yeah. No, you're you're 100 right. Now, I guess I
1: should say he lies like a rug. He does. That would be better.
0: He does. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's like, I hey, and you can even see it. And even when I'm reading it to my children, they're like, you know, when Herod's like, hey, um, can you tell me where he is so I can go worship him? It's like, yeah, the kid, it's, it's, like, it's like the kids know. <laughs> the kids are like, oh, this is a bad guy. Don't, don't tell
1: him. Don't, tell, don't him. tell him. And of course, you
0: know, God intervenes like through a dream, Absolutely. which is pretty nuts, Absolutely, uh, yeah. which says something. Okay, let's get to the next point. Um, the Magi, um, let's talk about the wise men. W- what impressed you about, now I use these terms interchangeably. Maybe we should be more precise. Sometimes they're called kings. Sometimes they're called Magi. Sometimes they're called um, wise men. And I guess in a sense, they're kind of all three. They're very wealthy. So they're kind of kingly. <laughs> They're, they're wise men right they're they're learned and they're magi they're they, they have you know um in in the in the land of 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 astrology they they uh they look for the supernatural
1: yeah i i don't use kings for them okay i i, I, I it's nowhere in the text yeah. And the magi is, is is this weird term i spoke about a little bit uh, this past weekend where it's really difficult to pin them down because on the one hand they're, they're seeing very positively in this story in Matthew two.
0: Yes. I mean, they are, yes, they
1: are amazing.
0: Yes. They
1: they are the, they should not be there. Yeah. They just in, in every sense, they're the wrong people to give credence and to bring worship to Jesus, the Messiah
0: child. Yes. Yes.
1: Um, But on the other hand, and and on the other hand, you know, and they're seen so, um, I mean, they sacrificed. This this trip was not easy. It was expensive. It took a long time. It was very, very dangerous, especially since they were carrying a lot of wealth. Um, You know, marauders and robbers and things would have tried to get him, get them um, all the way through the trip. So on the one hand, you've got these that they're seen really well, but on the other hand, when you see this same word used in Acts, in Acts eight and in Acts thirteen, uh, it's very, very negative.
0: Right, and that's the story of like Simon the sorcerer, S- Simon right? the
1: sorcerer, and Elimus the sorcerer. Oh yeah, Elimus is the one that conf- You know, Peter can. I mean, Paul confronts and yeah. says you're going to be blind because of your your evil. Peter confronts Simon. And Simon's not seen as as evil. He just he's just leading people astray,
0: right? And he actually Doesn't he um, ask to buy the power of the Holy Spirit? He's like, hey, yeah. Hey, where's this magic trick? Can you teach it to me? And they're like, it's no magic trick, brah. Yeah. And then and, and, he, and he and he's rep- quick to he's quick he, to repent. Yeah, he repents. He burn, and, and, doesn't and, he burn you know, his you know, scrolls? He isn't no. He burns I, his I, scr- I he I'm, he like burns he, his magic scrolls or whatever. Yeah.
1: So uh, so you see it, you yeah. know, on on the on the two times that we see this this word used um, you know it's such a mixed bag because the magi of the of the nativity of the advent story are seen so so wonderfully I and mean, then the magi that we see in acts are completely anti-god you know moving different directions right. so the the thing that stuck out of the most about me is just how amazing if you if you just give it some thought it's hard to imagine that these guys show up. Yeah. We're talking about probably a 12-month journey, maybe more.
0: Yeah, maybe more.
1: Um, maybe more. Um, they travel over 600 miles from probably Babylon.
0: Have you uh, seen, did you come across uh, the in your studies that it? some scholars think it might have been the exact same route that Abraham took out of Ur? Did you see that or... I, I, well, it's
1: it's it may not be the exact route, but it's certainly similar. He, yeah, they come from the land of Ur, which is Babylon, and and they, he comes that way, and they come through the desert, right, and make their way to it. So I don't know, you know, I don't know how we can even ever know whether they took the well. But we, you can certainly yeah. infer, yeah, that um, that they've been through a desert on a horse
0: they, with no name. <laughs>
1: Very few people will get that. No, no Nobody will knows get that. that. Song.
0: It's a very very obscure song. <laughs> anyway. I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. It Felt good to be out of the rain. Is that the worst song of the 70s, Steve? Oh no. It's not? Oh no. <laughs> What's the worst song of the 70s, Steve?
1: Um It probably was a disco tune. <laughs> Um,
0: I, I don't know, know which. I, I, was, I derailed you. I'm sorry. Oh, please continue on. Yeah. So they go through. Sorry. They they <laughs> travel. Uh, they travel hundreds of miles. It's a it's a very long journey.
1: Yeah, and and they, you know, I, I as I was thinking this through, I just kind of made a list of, um, you know, how, they're from the wrong ethnicity, the wrong country, the wrong religion, the wrong education, the wrong economic status, the wrong language. They're just wrong. I mean, every, everything about them is wrong, yeah. and um, and yet here they are leading this—not only leading this wonderful worship experience and affirming who they are—and but they also, I believe, saved Jesus's life
0: by their faithfulness. Because they, because they the,
1: well, yeah. they provide the money. or oh, the gold that allows that allows the family to escape to Africa.
0: And 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 live there for a period of time. They would have done that without any
1: resources at all. They didn't have anything. So you before say these this is kids.
0: God's provision to Mary and Joseph and and, and Jesus. Yeah, I, I just think yeah.
1: He uses them it's to incredible. kind of finance, to kind of bankroll this trip to Africa and back, and um, allows you know Joseph to care for his for his family in a yeah. in a hostile land.
0: What's incredible to me is it does seem as though God moves. I th- it, 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 they they are to be lauded and, and the point of um, the point of this story is for us to think about their them as as characters and reflect on it. Uh, but God moves first. I mean, He puts the star in the sky. He draw. They're they're trying. To, God's trying to get somebody's attention, or in a, in another way, the 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 way theologians would say, God reveals Himself, and they respond. They respond correctly. To God's revelation. And then of course, God even guides them. And it does seem, the text does seem to, I know a lot of times scholars are like, well, it could have been Jupiter and Venus aligning, but the text yeah. really does look like it's supernatural. Stars don't move like this. Stars don't Got you know, somebody was like, is it a drone? Is it a UFO? I'm like, no, I don't think, I don't think so. <laughs> you know,
1: I, I think, I, I think that, um, it could have been planets aligning with, um, and, uh, and be, and becoming something in the you know what they uh what do they call it oh the, the original um,
0: sign you talk about the the, star, the the star that they said uh led them yeah yeah. It, yeah that could have been that could have been astrological for sure
1: yeah and there could have been something there that that god used because, um, because in I, the, I in, thought, in
0: the ancient world they paid attention to this stuff i mean when there was a like i was just looking uh, on january 28 2018 there was a super red blood moon lunar eclipse which yeah. is a I mean, it's just a once in hundred and eighty year kind of phenomenon. It's a, a second uh full moon in a month. It's um it's full.
1: Which is which is called a blue moon.
0: Yeah, that's called a blue moon. It's a new moon. Except it's, this one
1: happened to be a blood moon.
0: Right, which means it would there's a, a a solar a lunar eclipse. Yeah. And it's in the penumbra of the sun, which means it glows red. And I I I'm gonna be honest with you, Steve. I didn't even get it was visible in our sky at five thirty four AM. I didn't get up. Uh, I didn't even pay attention to it. But in the ancient world, this would have been like, oh, the gods are talking to us, right? Well,
1: some some people would have spoken. Yes, it, it was definitely um, some people were paying attention to it. What's funny about the story and is the great contrast between the, these guys who shouldn't be paying attention to it, really. They don't have anything to do with the coming Messiah. And yet they, they up and travel to come and see him. And then people, religious leaders that are only... Five miles away.
0: Yeah, they miss it. I
1: mean, they're just—they're just a strong, you know, a decent morning walk,
0: <laughs> right?
1: And they don't get up and they say, "Oh, he's in Bethlehem," but they don't go and check it yeah, out. They don't, they don't go ever go and see.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Um, and you would think that those pre—the coming Messiah—if if if these guys come from all the way, you know, six hundred miles away, you'd think they'd get off their butt and at yeah. least walk to to. Bethlehem I mean Bethlehem is not far at all it's yeah. it, and in fact it's not even down the hill very much it's it's almost level whereas like if you go to Jericho you've got to walk way down like right. There's 13 miles down elevation. or something but um, this is pretty it's pretty much up on the mountain with Jerusalem and they won't even do that it's an easy walk yeah. and so that's the that's the other gigantic contrast is yeah. not only that that these men from the east, travel all this way to see the Messiah, but people that you would think would care, they don't give a rip. They're as apathetic as can be. They're yeah. like you and I, um, on the blood moon, we slept through it,
0: yeah. you know? Yeah, totally. So, the, the, and that's a theme that Matthew is going to continue through the rest of his gospels, that, that God's going to come to unlikely people and fold in <laughs> Gentiles to this, yeah. to this uh, in this worldwide redemption movement of yeah. God. And also that the people that you would expect to get it, the religious leaders, they they don't they they miss it. Uh
1: yeah, this has happened in, for me in many times in my life when I've I've met with someone who I thought, man, when I when I'm going I'm praying for a chance to talk to Jesus about them and I think they're going to come to faith and they're as uninterested as can be. And then I'll meet with somebody who just from appearance or their from their past experiences I my, my guess is they could. They're going to care less. Right. I'm even. You know. And it, I, it ends up. There as interested and and end up making decisions for Christ. It's you, you can't. You just. The beautiful thing about this story is, is it just once more, kind of restates in a in a beautiful way. God is, God is revealing Himself to the world. Yeah. And and all are all are invited in, even if you're from the wrong everything. Yeah. You're invited in and you're free to respond if you'll say yes and surrender.
0: At the risk Beautiful. of at the risk of uh you know, trying to pull this story into the modern, I think one of the things that's supposed to make us do is like reflect. Are we like Herod and the religious leaders? Do we miss it? Are we like the magi? Do we see with clear eyes and then move with sacrifice and worship? But I mean, obviously, that's a cautionary tale to not be like the religious leaders, to not be like Herod. Right? Yeah, I don't
1: think I don't think that anybody listening is would identify with Herod. Um, <laughs> Let's hope not. I mean, I'm just being honest. He's just that bunch of a rascal. He's just, sure. he's just. Um,
0: and yeah, we but do. But the truth is, I mean, we do is, build our own kingdoms. I mean, if Herod's oh, after his own yeah. kingdom, I, I I understand in Silicon Valley, there's a whole bunch of people that are really not interested in God and really do spend a lot of time building their own kingdom. So in some ways, I like can I'm sympathetic.
1: Yeah. Uh, but I would just say most of the most of the yeah. feeling of people i don't it's not that I really struggle with a lot of people who are hateful towards the Christian faith. yeah, I would say the predominant emotion extended towards the Christian faith is that it's one of apathy. Yeah. you know I just don't care it doesn't have anything to do with me, yeah, yeah, I'm glad it works for you, but no thanks for me.
0: But then there's also the religious leaders who should get it. I mean, that's hard as well. What do you think the, the macro lesson is for us in that, the fact that the religious le- leaders miss it? Is that is a that well, message it, to us religious it, folk? I,
1: I think Matthew is is painting very brilliantly this juxtaposition between those who get it and those who don't. Mm. And they're in the camps that most surprise you. The Magi yes. shouldn't get it. yeah, And the religious leaders certainly should. And it's opposite. Yeah, it's opposite.
0: So it's kind of like hold, or or it's just like the idea that God moves in ways that you can oh. possibly predict. Later on, you know, John says, you know, the wind blows where it will, right? And yeah, uh, Jesus says yeah. that in the uh, Gospel of John.
1: And that's that's part of it's part of the great adventure of being a disciple of Christ is that God is actually on the move. Yeah, um, yeah, and He's doing things for this very day. For this very day, he might be aligning up some kind of a a meeting or uh, an appointment that can change eternity.
0: Yeah. So the magi center their their lives and their eyes on this star, the supernatural move. They they go after it. They seek. They are yeah. earnest. And then they yeah, find, let, they find and they worship. Let
1: me let me say this though. I I think that it's interesting to me. Yes, the star is what motivates them to leave their country and come to Jerusalem and ultimately Bethlehem. But the final instructions come from the scriptures. Yes. Where to find the the Messiah comes from the scriptures. And so I I think uh, there are some out there who say, I'm totally interested in this spiritual thing. If God will give me a star, I'll respond too, right? Right. If God'll write my name in the in the in the heavens, if he'll give me this or Ooh, whatever, and they're expecting some kind of miraculous event. And what I would say is the miraculous has been recorded for you.
0: Yes. Yes. That's Go really good. Them. Go and read the four
1: biographies of Jesus if you want to know who Jesus
0: is. Don't don't
1: spend your time at night looking up in the sky.
0: If the revelation of God is in the star, it's also as we Christians believe it's in the scriptures as well. That's absolutely that's that's primary. Um, Okay, so let me give you that's an awesome that's really an awesome thought. I had not hadn't thought about that. That's a great way to put it. Um, Second question: In this coming year, you know the year winds up. People start reflecting on the past year yeah. and looking forward. How could we be more? What, what what advice do you give to to well to average folk who who are just want to be more like the Magi, who want to be oriented on that direction to seek for the Christ with with their effort to leave their comfort, but to to grow and to experience, to worship, to sacrifice. I mean, wh- what advice do you have? What would that look like practically? If that's if we're supposed to reflect on the Magi and say, I want to I want to have a response to God like them, not like the religious leaders or Herod. What would that look like? Um, what kind of advice do you have?
1: Well, you know, and one way to think about it is just—we don't know—but let's just project into the Magi's life a couple of years before they leave, and what kinds of things are they involved in? They are involved in a community of folks who are seeking. They are involved, obviously, in the study of. Of scrolls and different things that project towards the coming Messiah. And they are looking, they are watching. Yeah. They are they are part of that. And so to me, if 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 I were to say, and this is, I hadn't prepped for this, but this is if I were going to try to say, What would you do? I'd be in a community of folks that are seeking. Yeah. I would I would try to learn about the faith and uh that i'm pursuing and then i would be watchful that's good you know watchful of of things that are going on the truth is is that uh, it's not that god is not working it's just that we're not watching yeah and for example you know you might just take this day this very day and say god open my eyes to things that you have blessed me with And that you want me to respond to. Just open my eyes. Will you allow me to see things the way you see them? And that might, it might not do anything today. But I will tell you, as you pray that as a regular regular part of your daily routine, it could change how you view your children, how you view your spouse, even how you view your work and the people that you work with. Um, I think if you're a part of a community that's honestly seeking after the Messiah, studying the things that point to the messiah and then being watchful man i i wish that i had that last week i could have put that as part of the application that's for good yeah that's our great. message
0: that's great that's great um any final thoughts on um this section you kind of you ended with uh, kind of the idea of kind of accepting your own limitations um, yeah, wanna, it was. You, you want to talk through that because that was that really resonated with you, the idea of that. These, it did. Yeah. Um,
1: I, I think that we spend a ton of energy denying or rejecting and resisting the limitations that are on our life. We, we spend a whole lot of time and, and um, an unhealthy amount of time focusing on the things that we're not good at.
0: Our deficiencies, Rather than just our limitations, our limitations, limitations, as, our limitations. Humans, right?
1: And rather than do that, I think that I, I shared, you know, this, this uh, scale of acceptance that um, I heard from a John Ortberg uh, podcast with a guy named Dr. Rick Blackman. And it just said, uh, he said that as the healthier you get, the more that you begin to accept and embrace your, your limitations. You're no longer fighting and and dreading and cussing the fact that you can't do this and can't do that and can't do this. But instead you start to surrender your person who you are to Christ. And in that surrender, there's this peace. And then there's this opening for God to do something in your limitations that is unexpected because the scriptures tell us that really where we're weak is where God seems to show up strong. Um, we, we primarily want God to use us in our strengths, but the truth is, is that many times, um, he's going to use you in the things that are weak. And if the better you can do, uh, move to embracing that, um, not things that are in the culture, you shouldn't embrace.
0: No, you're talking limitations. about limitations. I'm talking about, about limitations identity, as a identity, like who, yeah, who identity, kind of for things. example, I'll never be a horse jockey. Um,
1: that's no, just you're, not, they're just, there, I'd be a you, terrible well, horse. You could. You could be one. You could be a horse jockey. You just can't be a really good horse jockey.
0: Right? Right. No, or it, even a Right. And and there's other things too. Like uh, you probably shouldn't put me in charge of accounting. I'm not good with numbers and details like that. And that's right. got to be. And you're saying those, make, ki- those kind of limitations. As,
1: as you embrace those things, you, there's a shalom that comes over your life where you're not always fighting the things you're not good at and trying to cover up the limitations that you have instead you there's an authenticity that's free to express itself because you know you're not good with counting and you you don't you don't pretend that you are
0: this kind of reminds me of uh there was a a guy named marcus buckingham who had a book called now discover your strengths yeah i remember him yeah he's he's so fantastic one of the things he said is parents when they get the report card let's say that there's a kid who gets an f two c's and four a's what's the parent going to focus on the F, right? Yeah. They're, they're gonna spend the, F and the all, C all their energy on the low grades. And he's like, Look, I get it. You know, you're you're freaked out about that. But really what you should be doing is trying to figure out how can they get that F to a C and then really focusing on those A's. Because those mm-hmm. A's reveal the passion and the gifting, often they can, of your of your kid. And and so pay attention to that because we grow by focusing on our strengths, not our deficiencies. Yeah. Yeah. Is that kind of like? Is that kind of the idea?
1: Yeah, but it's really de- it's really much deeper than that. It's more. It's not so much identifying your strengths and, and emphasizing them, as it is embracing your weaknesses and surrendering oh. them to Christ.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a different that's a same thing. So it's so, a little bit different deal. Yeah. So not fighting um against the fact that you're not so and so, or you you don't have the gifting of A, B, or C, or this person or that person. I just
1: think a lot of people spend and that you know. Um, an unacceptable amount of energy fighting who God made them to be. Oh, wow. And resisting it. Um, now I'm talking about Christians here.
0: Yeah, I you know. I know, and, I know um, you are.
1: And, yeah. and Christians, that if you really believe that God made us and knows us and loves us just the way we are, then there should be more peace and more acceptance, um, more grace that you extend towards yourself.
0: Yeah. As opposed yeah. to shame or, As uh, to shame. I, you also said anger. If you, you you kind of reject that, that you're not good at these things, you get angry. And then it moves right. up to you resist it, which is kind of you ignore it for a long time. But then when it rears its ugly head, then you get angry.
1: <laughs> yeah. I said, on, I, I said yesterday, it, it is my limitations and the humility they bring that open me up to experience something greater than myself. And the primary thing that we experience is grace.
0: Right. Right.
1: In those, in those limitations. So
0: how did, how did, how did this, I think, which is really helpful. How did this, how did the Wiseman story remind you of of, of this? Is it, how did you make that link?
1: Um, Because there are nothing but limitations. There's so many reasons why they shouldn't go. I mean, like I said, they don't know the language. They don't know the culture. It's a long way to go. It's really dangerous. They're probably not nomadic. They probably don't like to camp. Right. Yeah. I mean, these, these guys. Palace, there's probably, just so right? many. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's so many limitations, and yet they they embrace those limitations and move towards it. And because they do, their lives are forever changed.
0: Yeah. And we're still talking about them today.
1: And we're still talking about Perhaps. them over two thousand yeah. years later. Putting yeah. them in the wrong place in the nativity scene.
0: Well, you know, sometimes we—it's uh, a little creative liberty, right? Just uh, exactly a little creative liberty.
1: Yeah, I I say relax about it. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, uh Steve, thanks for thanks for joining us and, and talking about the three wise men. Next week, uh next week we're gonna go into the next part of the story, which it gets really dark. Oh yeah, it gets pretty it gets dark. gets really yeah. dark. It's is and I don't it's not really a nativity children's story anymore. Yeesh.
1: No. It's like I said um one or two weeks ago, you know, the Luke story is more like the Hallmark oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. story and and the Matthew story is really much more like uh Stephen King. <laughs>
0: Stephen King, that's uh, yeah, yeah, that's dark. Yeah, because in the Pretty Luke dark. one, in the Luke one that's so hallmark, you know, Mary and Elizabeth are bumping tummies and it's really, cute, yeah, and right? they got
1: the angels singing right, in the choir right, right, and, right. you know, and the shepherds showing up
0: high <laughs> five and the, each The other little drummer that. boy, is he in there? I'm not sure. <laughs> is... <laughs> he should be. Have you ever heard of the little drummer boy game, Steve? Uh, that'd be a no. Uh, the little drummer boy game is if you hear the song The Little Drummer Boy, you're out. <laughs> So, if you try to make it through the entire holidays, not hearing the song The Little Drummer Boy.
1: So, if you hear it come on the radio, if you, you hear
0: it anywhere, you're out.
1: Even if you just you, hear part of it, you can't get away from it. Nope. Once you hear it, you're nope, in. That's you're it, done. Nope.
0: If you hear any part of it, you. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't you like lose. that. Because that
1: means you're basically guarding yourself from exposure to the Christmas music. And the Christmas music, honestly, <laughs> uh, Frosty the Snowman and um, and Jingle Bells excluded. Sure much of the Christmas music is very rich in oh, theology totally. oh, yeah. of the
0: Advent season. Absolutely. Okay. Well, don't play that game, but I, 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 no. I think, I think that it's not so much avoid Christmas music. It's that when you're listening, if you hear the little drummer boy, you're immediately out, you lose. And cause everyone loses when you hear the little drummer boy, cause it's the worst Christmas song ever. That's what some people say.
1: Oh uh, yeah. I'm not in that camp.
0: All right. I, I, I don't mind it either. All right. Well, yeah. thanks Steve. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, do you have a least favorite Christmas song?
1: Uh, I'm sure I do, but I don't know what it is. It's probably something you know what not. You know what, snowman or I don't or like Frosty reindeer. the
0: Snowman. I mean, he dies. It's really dark. It's like why is there mortality <laughs> in the middle of this in this children's song? That. It's like he, he like I'll be back again someday, perhaps. <laughs> it's like oh man, that that's really. I don't want to deal with the, 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 you know, mortality of humanity in my children. And there, there you have life. it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks Steve. The death of Frosty. <laughs> the death of All right, man. All right. Thanks time. Thank you. Bye. All right. Just want to say thanks to Steve Clifford for stopping by. Join us next week for our final week of our Advent series. I can't believe it. And then Christmas Eve is going to be here. It's incredible. Uh, Join us next week. we got a little special surprise we're cooking up for you. So uh, we're pretty excited about that. And so with that, um, just have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next week.